Hi. This is uh, Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. I'm Shannon. And tonight we're going to talk about fear. Wow, yeah. a big topic. Yeah, it's a big topic, and it's a, I think it's a pertinent topic for right now. Um, we're going to try and distill it down into a short podcast here. But this is a, this is a big issue right now. Um, our world is living in fear. We are living in concern where all sorts of things are happening lord and and uh boy with the with the current pandemic going on it's just the latest in a string of them that's been going on forever but with the current thing going on there's a lot of people that are just spending way too much time in fear Mm -hmm. and not enough time in faith yeah you can't do both you have to have fear or you have to have faith yeah fear or you have you have one or the other yeah fear and faith can't exist together yeah. God knows that. God, God tells us that over and over again, um, that we can't have one or the other. We either we have faith or we don't. It's Ooh, as simple as that. I got a good verse that just popped okay. into my head. Okay. Hebrews eleven six. Hey, I, just okay. popped in. Maybe God wants us to say it a couple times. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So if we want to please God, we got to have faith. That's uh, we can't have we can't please God without faith, and uh, pleasing God is a great thing. It's a really good thing. So, well, I've written down Hebrews eleven one actually. Oh, well, and say that, that is, one. Uh, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hmm. And it's amazing right now because no one, none of us with the naked eye can see this virus that's uh, going around the world right now. But we can have legitimate fear of something we can't see. Mm-hmm. And yet people think it's strange to have faith in something you can't see. And, and that is that's true. That's a strange deal. This should like show people, wow, if I can fear something I can't see, I could have faith in something I can't see. Right. So that's, well, I mean, people are, yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. Um, well, I did look up uh, what are Americans most afraid of. Oh. Now, this was not done Right, right now. Mm-hmm. So COVID-19 would probably be up there. But uh, typically, this was in 2018. It says these, and I don't know if these are in a special order. I think they are, but I'm not sure. They said uh, one thing Americans are afraid of, corrupt government officials, ocean pollution, drinking water pollution, not enough money, a loved one getting really sick, a loved one dying, air pollution, Extinction of plants and animals, global warming and climate change, and high medical bills. That's what they said. Well, and right in the middle of that, I think it may have moved up in rank a little bit, is uh, the fear of... The loved ones getting sick or dying. loved one getting sick or dying. And mm-hmm. that, that is one that... Um, that's a legitimate threat. It's a legitimate mm-hmm. threat with what's going on. Yeah, there are, peop- there are people that are dying from this. There are people that are getting extremely sick. Um, there are... And there's a lot of reaction to this, more reaction than there ever has been before for for any other pandemic that's come across, although we've had other ones. This one seems to be uh, grabbing us and, and bringing us into fear. And we have to remember that this is completely contrary to what God says. This is just the opposite of what God, God says. God says the beginning of fear, or the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think what's meant by that simply is that if all of your knowledge and all of your wisdom is based upon the foundation of God, Mm -hmm. then it will be true wisdom. 
If it doesn't have that foundation of God, then it's it's foolishness. So if we want to rely on science, we want to rely on on the news, or we want to rely on anything other than God, we're going to be found to be foolish in the end. Mm-hmm. Because everything has to have that foundation of God. And that doesn't mean that you discount things that of in course the news not. or of it course not. Yeah, and it doesn't mean we discount science, but there's got to be a balance. We've got to know that God is bigger than anything. So if God is for us, who can be against us? So God is on our side. So everything else compared to God is really small. And so we just have to put it in perspective. Yeah, and I think I think you make a good point there. Is Obviously, we have to be... Um, I don't want to say practical, but we want we want to take the precautions necessary to take the precautions for what we're doing. I mean that there's a lot of things going on and that we we need to deal with. And if social distancing helps or something like that helps, of course we do that. But I think on the other hand, we can't really um, put ourselves in a place where we think we don't have to treat anything as, as reality either. I mean this this is a real deal. Mm-hmm. This this virus. But we have to also understand that oftentimes God uses adversity as a tool to strengthen our faith. Right. He's not testing our faith. He's strengthening our faith. Mm. And he uses that often. Um, it's, a, it's a constant thing where we run into situations where either you fear or have faith. And if you look back in 2020 hindsight and see it and realize I should have had more faith in that, that is a faith-developing concept. Right now we're in a situation where if you don't have faith... Um, and you're living in fear, that's not going to do you any good anyway. Your body will produce cortisone, your your, your uh, immune system breaks down, all that kind of stuff comes from fear and stress. So we have to have faith in the midst of of situations like this. This, uh, this is really good. This is something I just looked up. It's from an article called Seven Things You Need to Know About Fear. It's a Psychology Today article by a Theo... Soda Cider, PhD, I know I, I just brutalized his last name, but the couple points, I won't read them all right now, but he said, um, we get scared because of what we imagine could happen. It's our imagination taking over. And then his last point, he said, is the more real the threat, the more heroic the actions. And the quote is, when the threat is imminent and identifiable, you jump to action immediately without flinching. So he said, actually, we are a lot more scared when we're imagining what could happen than when we're actually dealing with it, when we're in the crisis. Because then we have to act. And then sometimes our actions just take over and we just do what we have to do. But then, I mean, I don't know if you think that's right, but I do know that we can paralyze ourselves because of our mm-hmm. imagining what could happen. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I, I've got a, another one here. I've got okay. a, it's a quote from Jonathan Edwards. Um, he wrote this in 1796, so mm-hmm. the language is a little old-fashioned, but if you bear with me here. So hath God contrived and constituted things in his dispensations towards his own people, that when their love decays and the exercises of it fail or become weak, fear should arise. For then they needed to restrain them from sin and to excite them for the good of their souls and to save them from what up save them up to watchfulness and diligence in religion. But God has so ordered that when love rises and is in vigorous exercise, then fear should vanish and be driven away, for then they need it not. 
having a higher and more excellent principle and exercise to restrain them from sin and stir them up for, from their duty. There are no principles which human nature is under the influence of that will ever make men conscientious but one of these two, fear or love. And therefore, if one should not prevail as the other decayed, God's people, when fallen into dead and carnal frames, when love is asleep, would be lamentably exposed indeed. And therefore, God has wisely ordained that these two opposite principles of love and fear should rise and fall like the two opposite scales of a balance. When one sinks, the other rises. Fear is cast out by the Spirit of God no other way than by the prevailing of love. Nor is it ever maintained by his spirit, but when love is asleep. I, I you need to really translate that. I, what I, okay. <laughs> what he's just talking about the concept that either you have fear or you have love, and love comes from the heart of God. Mm-hmm. If we have love, we don't have fear. If we have love of God and love of our of our fellow man, we don't need fear. Mm. Right now, people that do not love God need fear it's what's empowering them it's what's giving them reason it's what's giving them justification it's what's giving them their strength oh i see okay fear is something that um they can use the fear to isolate themselves from god they can use the fear to isolate themselves from each other they can use it as a justification for whatever action they're doing okay yeah and I get that. the same people that would not have done anything for their neighbors might be doing something now mm. out of fear. Because the human condition requires that we do those things for each other. So if they're not doing it out of love, they're doing it out of fear. Oh, I see. Okay. When we have love for each other, we don't need the fear. When we have God's love in our heart, in our lives, we don't need the fear. The only fear we should have is the fear of God. And that fear of God is a respect and an acknowledgement of who he is and who we are. It's a reverence. It's a reverence. Right. It's a reverence and it's an understanding that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is everything. So if we look at it from that perspective, a virus we can't even see doesn't really have any power over us. Right. Because fear doesn't, isn't, isn't available. All there is is faith. I want to share, there's a guy, he's a psychiatrist, a doctor, a psychiatrist. He's called an American existential psychiatrist. And he's a, like a retired guy from Stanford University. What do they call the retired ones that are still kind of in residency, but not really? Anyway, he's, he's written a lot of books. His name is Dr. Irvin Yalom, or Yalom, Y-A-L-O-M. And uh, he's the one, I guess, who originally thought of these. Because they're called Yalom's four main existential fears of people. Mm-hmm. Death, isolation, loss of freedom, and meaningless. And I looked at those, and actually, God takes all those fears away. We, can't, we don't have to fear death when we know the Lord, because we know we're going to heaven. And we don't have to fear death if if our if our loved ones know Jesus, we know that he, they're going to heaven, so we don't have to fear death. We might not want it because we still don't want our loved ones to die. We'll miss them. And then isolation, we fear isolation. Everybody wants to belong to their own little tribe. I mean, everyone wants a place to belong. And when we accept Christ, we have our own tribe. It's called the church, and 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 so we belong to Jesus Christ. We belong to God. We're in the family of God when we 
take on this faith. Loss of freedom, we don't want to be captive. Well, we're either captive to sin or we're captive to Christ. Captive to self or captive to Christ. So, but being captive to Christ gives us freedom. And then, I don't, and then meaninglessness, we get meaning. We get meaning through God. In Him, if we do things for Him, everything has purpose. It has eternal value when we do things for God. I don't know, does this make sense? It does. And those four things you just mentioned, is that not exactly, exactly what's going on in our world right now? Oh, you're right. People are so afraid of death. Mm -hmm. They're so afraid that someone's going to cough and they'll die from it. That someone's going to... Sneeze on them, and, and so they have to they have to uh, be afraid of that. And because of that, we're putting ourselves in isolation, which is a fear monger in and of itself. Right. And then from there, we're we get a loss of freedoms. We're losing our freedoms because of this. And from there, we also lose our meaningfulness. Especially if you think about as Americans, a lot of us have a tendency to base our self worth on our work. Mm-hmm. They took the work away. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of they people. took the work away. They took any security you had financially away. They took all those things away. Um, they hold you up in your house so you couldn't be visiting neighbors and just making the average everyday contact. I was listening on the radio the other day and just a couple of DJs on a sports uh, station were talking about the fact that Guy said, you know, I, I haven't shook anybody's hands in two months, and I don't know if I ever will again. Hmm. And I thought, what a strange, strange thing. I always go for the hug. But this, what he was saying was, he said, I, I miss people. I miss just smiling at a person in a grocery store. I miss, mm-hmm. you know, sitting down and talking to a waiter in a restaurant, all those things. And while he was... Saying he misses those things, he's also saying, but I'm going to be fearful enough that I don't ever mm-hmm. shake hands with someone again. And that is a, that is a, um, it's a sad testimony of, of our society right now that we live in such fear. Well, and, and yet we take someone who is not afraid and call them foolish. Yeah. Between March 5th and March 9th, they did a survey of 2019 U.S. adults this year. It said, and this is from thehill.com by Mark Penn. And it says, as a country, we're close to panic levels of fear because of the COVID-19. They said that the ones who are the most worried about dying from COVID-19 are millennials. And they are the ones who are born between 1981 and 1996. And people all have their theories why, but a lot of them say that because this is the first big thing that they've had to deal with as adults. Mm-hmm. And that's not discounting it. Yeah. I mean, this we do have to be careful. And if you're fragile, you got to be careful. But Yeah, by no means are we saying that this is something that we should ignore. That's not what we're talking about here. And we're not saying that, that someone's concern about this is not founded because it, it is affecting people. People are dying from it. Mm-hmm. But in the scheme of things, if you look at a bigger picture... If you take away the microscope and look at look at a bigger picture with bigger eyes, it takes on a whole different perspective. And I think that is that is where our fear is going to damage us more than the, the virus itself. And that's my my biggest concern mm-hmm. is that the fear 
changes us so much that we lose touch with each other permanently. Hmm. We, be, we become a country full of, of, of fear instead of a country full of freedom, that we become a society where we are afraid to shake someone's hand mm-hmm. or go to someone's house or ask someone if they need help. Mm-hmm. See someone on the street who's not looking healthy, instead of asking them if they need help, we're going to run away from them because, oh, maybe they have the coronavirus. We're going to run away. Yeah. I think that is my greatest concern is that love will die because of, the, because of fear in, in our country. And, and there are a lot of different theories out there, a lot of different ideas about all sorts of things going on. And our 24-hour news cycle is just amping this up. Um, uh, we've mentioned this before, but Jane and I don't have cable TV. The only thing that we get news-wise, other than um, if we go onto a computer and look it up, is going to be uh, PBS. And someone posted this morning on Facebook. I saw there was a post on Facebook, and someone said, yeah, we have a lot of coronavirus cases. But the statistics we always see are the ones that are sick and the ones that are dead. We never see the ones that recovered, Mm -hmm. the ones that had absolutely no symptoms ever, never Mm -hmm. needed to go to the hospital, never needed to go to the doctor at all. There are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of good news here that's not being shared, only the the negative. And if you put yourself in front of that box and 24 hours a day hear that the sky is falling, the sky is going to fall on you in your own mind, one way or another, in your own mind. I wish they would share more the the good news because I think, you know what, I think it would make people health, healthier emotionally mm-hmm. because they wouldn't be so fearful. And uh, I think we could be full of hope, even still social distancing. And uh, I, I don't think it has to be so, so... Uh, Governed by fear, I guess. I well, guess we, that's why we're talking. Jane and I were talking about this. In addition, we started this podcast before this ever the coronavirus ever spun up. We've been doing this longer than that. Um, so this isn't a new thing for us. But I've been doing my sermons online on face. I've been I've been uh, putting them live on Facebook every Sunday now because we're not meeting because we are restricted on whether or not we can have church. Um, and there are people in our church that are legitimately vulnerable and are legitimately uh, self-isolating because of that, and I still want to be able to reach out and touch them. And this technology, God bless it, allows us to do that. And I have had well over 100 people viewing my sermons, more than I would on a Sunday in our small church. And in addition, we started a Monday night Bible study, and we have people on our Bible study from all over the place, from all over South Dakota, as well as uh, a woman from Florida is on there. We just, and it is such a blessing that God's people can still find a way to gather mm-hmm. and to share with each other and love each other and share his word with each other. You know, the understanding of God's word is what's really going to overcome this. The understanding of what, what God says. Um I've got a verse. Okay, go okay. ahead. A uh, couple verses. Luke 12, 4 through 6 says, uh, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one 
who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell, yes, I tell you, fear him, are not five sparrows sold for two cents, and yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, you are of more value than many sparrows. You know, God's not scared. God is not worried in the slightest about uh, COVID-19 or or what, how... He just loves each one of us, and he's bigger than all this. And I have more. What, okay. what then shall we say to these things? This is Romans eight thirty one through 39. I don't know if I'll say it all, but what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus Christ is praying for everybody. I mean, God himself is praying for us. Father God's looking down. The Spirit is here on earth with us. Jesus is praying for us. I mean, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear anything. And I, I know we all fear at times, but we don't have to let it cripple us. I want to go to Philippians 4 here. Okay. And I'm going to go uh, verses 4 through 7. And this is, I think, part of the aspect we have to take um, in our own concept as Christians. If, we are, if you're a believer and you have read your Bible and you've gone through your Bible, you will know that there is an end. But you won't be afraid of it. You will know that there is a finish to life, there's a finish to the earth, there's a finish to everything. There is an end point. But you're not afraid of that end point. Um, in Philippians 4.4 4, it starts, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's very simple. It says rejoice in, in the fact that God is our Father and God is with us and God is near us at all times, no matter what's going on. Any situation, go to Him in prayer, present Him, and then the peace will, will transcend everything else. And it doesn't matter what else is going on. I've got a verse. Okay. Jeremiah seventeen five says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. I want to bring up something else. I really didn't think we were going to really direct this just to the COVID-19, but it does make sense. Mm -hmm. But I also want to go on the other side because then there's another camp that's kind of telling us that all of this is a great conspiracy and all these people are working against mankind and trying to eliminate a lot of people and trying to keep us locked away and I just there might be I think there's probably truth in in every side but I don't think we have to worry about some great conspiracy because God is bigger than anything and it doesn't really matter if there is a a group of people who are trying to hinder us and make us all into one world government I mean God is bigger than all this Yes, and I think God's people need to be bigger than that too. Yeah, I do. And even if those things are happening, if God's people stand true to Him, that's mm -hmm. what's going to count. Right. That's what's going to count in the end. You know, they can call me a crackpot. They can call me whatever I, they want because I believe in God. 
I don't care. My fear is that they're not going to believe in God. Mm-hmm. That they're going to be lost. Second Timothy one seven says, For the spirit God gave us did not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Mm-hmm. In this time, when fear is overwhelming everyone, Christians should be an example of strength and positivity and love and self-discipline and the understanding that the power of God is so much greater than anything else. And if we stand like that, if we stand up and act the way God intended us to act, we can overcome this. Mm -hmm. And others will see it and will be drawn. I remember uh, James Dobson was talking to one of the most famous rabbis in the United States at the time. And, and he said to the rabbi, he said, well, what would it take for me to get you to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. And the rabbi just kind of quietly smiled at him. He said, make me jealous. Mm-hmm. Make me want what you have so much that I have to have it. Mm-hmm. If that happens because of who we are and how strong we are, mm-hmm. we'll see wonderful things happen. Jane and I pray daily for, for revival in this country. Um, that this country would, that was so strongly based in, in Christian ideals and Christian morals and Christian thoughts and Christian education um, and has fallen so far away from it that this would be a, a perfect opportunity for us to return to that. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to be able to do that forcefully. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to do that because people want to be like us. Yeah. You know, also something else that's coming to mind... Um, as Christians, we really should not grumble and mm. complain. Um, let me go to uh, Hebrews. This is Hebrews. Uh, sorry, it just came to mind. So uh, uh, let us let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. But, and then also to 35, Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. This isn't exactly, there's somewhere it talks about how they weren't able to, oh, I think it's Hebrews 4. I'm sorry. Okay, go back. But, yep, Hebrews 4. Uh, Take care, brethren. Lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And in that, it talked about, they're talking about the the Israelites who didn't go to the promised land because they grumbled and complained. And I think we need to be careful. And I speak for us personally too, like on our reservation right now, our, our, we have to apply to get a, to go off the reservation and if things are denied, if, if they don't think it's important enough, then we can't leave the reservation. And I think instead of us complaining about, as long as we don't have to deny Christ, some of this stuff we need to take cheerfully and be of a good example because I, I know that they're doing this out of concern, hopefully. Well, we have a we have a very vulnerable population here on the reservation. We have um, a huge number of elderly. We have a lot of diabetes. We have a lot of obesity. We have a lot of heart issues, which um, 
those are huge problems in and of themselves, but they also make you particularly vulnerable at this mm-hmm. point in time to this. And and uh, the housing areas here on the reservation, the tribal housing areas, have a tendency to be kind of packed in. There's grandparents living with eight or nine grandkids in the house, and they're afraid that if it gets into that community somewhere, it would rage from house to house. Mm-hmm. I get that. I understand that. Um, and they're trying to do the best they can. There's uh, The Navajo Reservation has had a real bad time with this, and so they're, they're looking to that. But I also... Um, have gone through the checkpoints where they're stationed on all their all the roads leading in and out of the reservation. There are checkpoints set up where they stop you and ask you where you're coming from, where you're going, and if you're from out of state, they will turn you away. You cannot come on the reservation if you're from out of state at all. Mm-hmm. And um, just today, I was at a checkpoint, and, and there's a couple of high school boys that have been working checkpoints that I know from the school, and. They're frustrated too. They don't know what to do. And there was a there was a woman there that was just adamant that sh- she should be able to go through, and nobody can stop her. And and she was uh, and wait, she was there, abusive about it. There are other places to get on the other oh, side of the state. You don't yeah, have she to wasn't come coming through. to the reservation. She was going through it. She just she was from Minnesota, was east of, or west of us, and was trying to get to Minnesota. And if she'd have gone six miles north, she'd have missed the reservation, gone up to Lemon cut straight across, or she could have gone down to 34 and cut straight across and missed the reservation completely. But she was adamant that she should be able to do this and nobody should be able to stop her. That's not the witness we should be given either. No. So I think as as Christians, we should be strong, we should be confident, we should be peaceful. Um, I'll, I'll freely admit, I love my country. I love my country. And I don't like where I, what I see in it right now. I don't like What's happening with our politicians constantly fighting with each other and people constantly just being nasty with each other and trying to point fingers and blame each other. and It's just there's absolutely a lack of grace in our country right now. Grace for each other. That's one of our jobs, remember? To give grace. It's one of our jobs. Oh, that was from the Bible study. But we yeah. need to give people grace. Yep. And that is something also that, um, you know, if you look at the... Uh, the song Amazing Grace. Yeah. Everybody loves that song. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and fear my faith. No, I don't remember what exactly the words are right now. But um, <laughs> when we think about what we should be doing in this time then, first of all, we need to get into the Word. Mm-hmm. We need We need to focus on God's Word because we will not have that wisdom without it. Secondly... I think we really need to be in prayer. We need to be praying for our leaders. Yeah. And you know what? I don't care who you voted for. If you're praying or if you're hoping for the failure of a leader of any kind, it's like getting on an airplane and hoping the pilot fails his job because he's going to bring us all down with him. I don't care who you voted for. We are called to pray for the leaders that we have over us. That is a biblical principle as well. That we are to pray for the leaders. We should be praying for those leaders. We should be checking on people. We should be calling people. We should be talking to people. We should be maintaining our contact the absolute best we can. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we, we, we need to rise up in arms yet. I don't think that's a situation where we're in right now. But I do think that no. if we follow the Word the way the Word is intended, I think as a shining light, we can shine a light, lot of light on this this darkness that's called fear that we have right now. And when it comes out the other side, 
like God says, you know, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. When it comes out the other side, we'll be proven right. Yeah, we won't have to apologize. And that's just because stupid. we're faith, because of our faith. <laughs> that's just, it's just strictly because of our faith. Yeah. So if we lean on that, you know what? If the world ends, that's okay. I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. If this is the if this is this is the ramp up to the end of end of times, you know, I, I I read something really interesting, and I don't have it in front of me right here, mm-hmm. but it was an essay somebody did about if you were born in the year nineteen hundred. Oh, all the things that you all have the seen. things that they experienced. Yeah. They went through the Great Depression. They went through the the Spanish flu epidemic. They went through World War One. They went through World War Two. They went through. Every, all these little things, one after another, that all the things were going to end human life. Everything was going to end all human life on earth over and over and over and over again. I think about um, the kids that grew up in in, in uh, World War II, the, the situation there it with the Nazis running. Yeah. yeah, I mean, would there have been a better picture of the end of the world? No. But you and I grew up in the 80s, in the mm-hmm. 70s and the 80s. And I remember doing the, the nuclear drills, the duck and cover drills. We never did those. Oh, we did them in elementary school. I remember oh. them distinctly. And yeah, our gym was a me. fallout shelter one year. <laughs> our gym at the, the little school that I went to, our gym at the elementary school had the fallout shelter sign on it. I guess we just didn't bother. We and there was, a, there was a room that was locked up that had water and all sorts of stuff in there in case something happened. Um I even had a, one of my science teachers when I was a, I believe I was a freshman in high school. Um, one of our science projects was to calculate the wind speed and the rate of fallout hmm. if a nuclear weapon hit. Um, we had a there's a nuclear plant not real close to us, but it was it was fairly close, close enough that of course that would be a target, and we had to calculate what the life expectancy and the the percentage of people that would live in our community based upon if that happened. And that was just a reality at the time. We didn't think much. I look back now and I think, you know, yeah, we could have blown the world up Mm -hmm. easy. You know, two of the wrong people pushed the wrong buttons. And we're still in that situation today. That hasn't changed. Mankind can destroy itself very, very easily. But God has bigger plans than that. Mm -hmm. His plan's going to... And in the end, when everything else is said and done, when it's all over with, Jesus will return. And that'll be it. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that we can really be responsible for right now is today. Like you read today, as long as today is today. Mm -hmm. Did I read that? Yeah, you read that. Oh, okay. The only thing that we can be responsible for is ourselves right now, today. But as that, if we walk the way God wants us to walk in the midst of this, we will be such a witness that we cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if, that's, if that's where you're sitting right now and you're not sure what to do right now, pray. Read the Word. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in communion with other people in whatever form or fashion that needs to take. Whatever it is that you can do, to further the kingdom of God right now. And don't worry about the kingdom of man. Yeah, here. The fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five.
In First Chronicles twenty eight twenty, David said to Solomon, "Be strong and courageous, and do and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord my God is with you. Mm-hmm. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished." David was talking to Solomon about building the temple, but in the same way, Jesus says, "Don't fear. I am with you." God told Joshua, and that in that's my that seems to be my verse of twenty twenty. Um, it just keeps it comes up in my sermons. It comes up all the time. It just seems hitting me. Um, Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you? Commanded, not suggested. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. That is that just keeps coming up for a reason. I think because that's what God wants me to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it has come up. So many times. Be me being me, I'm seeing a tattoo here somewhere. That's just me. I'm not your typical. I don't know. Tons of Christians have tattoos these days. Okay, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother time. I don't have one though. For another time. I don't think I'd want one. It hurt. <laughs> all right. Well hey, thanks for listening. Hey, God bless you all. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, know that God loves you. Jesus loves you too. And we do too. Oh yeah, you said God. And we do. Okay, bye.